How are you guys? Good, thanks. Beautiful day. I know, right? Gorgeous. Are you guys from here? No, we're uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, okay. What are you doing out here? Our dentist is in Salt Lake City. Your dentist? You yeah. came all the way for the dentist. Yeah, we well, I guess it's not a bad place if you have to come for the dentist to stay yeah. for... Uh... If I'd known this was here, we'd been here every day. I had no idea that this was existed. Right? I know. This is just... Do you live around here? Yeah, I'm just like two minutes down there. I'm actually just filming like a podcast for work right now. So came up to... I work for the Division of Outdoor Rec, and so I thought if I'm going to do a podcast for him, I have to be outside, you know? Might as well be outside. Right? So... It's a good gig. Well, enjoy your time at the dentist and in Utah. Maybe this is actually what the podcast should be. I just walk around the trails and have conversations with strangers. And we can use that for footage or audio, I mean. So, yeah, I guess people are coming to Utah not only for our recreation, but for our good dentistry. So, You know, they don't ever tell you when you're about to make a podcast how many takes you'll you'll have to try and get the right one. And so that one that I had just uh, earlier on in the podcast was me trying to get the first take out on the trail of the Division of Outdoor Recreation's first ever episode on the Recreation Elevated podcast. And it obviously was a disaster. This couple came up and I didn't know how to turn off my microphone. And so I just ended up recording the conversation I had with them. And I thought it was kind of funny that they were not here for outdoor recreation. They came for the dentist. But what do you do when the dentist is uh, over with? You go and hike on the trails. And that woman, I can't, don't, you probably can't hear, but she says, if I had known this was here all along, we would have been here every day. And it was just on like the East Bench, the foothill trails of Salt Lake City, which are are awesome right like you can literally I live five minutes from there and you can drive up there and have a a very nice time out um, recreating and so they were taking advantage and it was fun to talk with them but with that um, I figured I would come back to the studio quote-unquote bedroom um, to to record the uh, the final section of this podcast Um, yeah, welcome to the Recreation Elevated podcast. I am Caroline Weiler, the host who somehow leaked through the cracks to get approval to make a podcast here in the Division of Outdoor Recreation. Um, we're a brand new division as of July 1, merging the Office of Outdoor Recreation with state parks to create the ultimate Division of Outdoor Recreation. It's been really fun the past couple months getting to know our team, growing our team. We've had a lot of time to bond and it's an exciting time to be a part of recreation in the state of Utah. Um, I want to give a big shout out to the team at the Division of Outdoor Recreation for their support in helping get this podcast off the ground. Big thanks to Austin, Patrick, Carly for helping brainstorm ideas and, and getting this thing going. So we have a fantastic group that walks the walk when it comes to recreation. I swear every morning after the weekend, every Monday morning, we sit in the office and for a good good while we talk about everybody's experience that weekend, whether it's Patrick's debacle going down the Green River and his kayak losing air or Carly biking through the White Rim in her butterfly wings. It's fantastic. And that's just the Grants and Planning team. We have so many amazing people out in the field every day in our shop working on our on our vehicles and our boats. We have people in admin on the trail crew that are just doing fantastic, fantastic work. So we're super lucky and I'm 
sometimes pinching myself a little bit still that I get to work with such amazing people in, in these projects. So speaking of amazing people, that's kind of why I decided we needed to start a podcast because I kid you not, every time my manager, Patrick, introduces me to a new person or tells me what this what this county commissioner is doing or what this nonprofit executive director has got going on, he always ends with, and they're amazing. And it's kind of been an ongoing joke that I'm like, is everybody here actually amazing that we work with? And he is always like, yes. And then I meet them and I can fully endorse that yes, everyone we work with is amazing. Outdoor recreation is just booming here in Utah and it's fun to be behind the scenes to see what goes on to create your favorite trails or those epic campgrounds or the mapping that you use on your off-highway vehicle, excuse me. Um, It's fun to be a part of that and to see what goes on behind the scenes. And so that's what I kind of want to do with this podcast. I've been working for the division for only a few months, but I've learned so much about how recreation works in the state and who the heroes, the unsung heroes are of all the projects. And I think it's time that we highlight them and that we give them center stage because there's a lot of work, guys, that goes on behind the scenes, countless hours of grant applications and planning and engineering and meeting after meeting to ensure that that the trails you love and the opportunities that you cherish are available to you. And it's something we shouldn't take for granted, but we should be thankful for and give credit where credit is due. So that's what I hope to do with the podcast is bring on the nonprofit trail builders, the land management agencies, the brands, the cities and counties of Utah that are working tirelessly to, to make this happen. Um, we're going to have conversations with people about high school mountain biking in Utah and trail building and the snowpack and education and safety and off-highway vehicle use. We're going to be talking about getting kids outside and some of the the amazing athletes that have come out of our state. So we're really excited. We're going to try and cover a lot of ground because outdoor recreation is literally in every single corner of this state. So we're going to try our very best. Um, But yeah, that's where we're going with this and we're super excited. So tune in. We'll release interviews um, every month, and that'll be what we do going forward. So big shout out again to our team, and hope you join us. Be aware that we will have co-hosts and other people talking, so you don't have to hear me monologuing every time, but I just wanted to get on and and introduce the podcast and get you guys excited about it, because it's going to be fun. All right, that's the first part. We're really excited about it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk to so many people. We're going to learn a lot. I hope that in this next segment that I'm going to introduce now, we also learn, but might laugh or cry with you as well. Um, We're going to release something called our Campfire Stories, which I'm so excited about. One of my favorite parts about outdoor recreation is the stories. Like I said, every morning, our team gets together after the weekend and we talk about what happened over the weekend and everyone has some story to tell because let's be honest, if you're recreating outside, something's going to happen and we want to hear about it. So we're going to release campfire stories on a rolling basis. You can submit and send your stories in at any point to me, Caroline Weiler at cweiler at utah.gov. I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, we're going to look for stories that are about 10 to 15 minutes long, keep them PG, but we want to hear about 
that epic time that you may or may not have forgotten your running shoes on Mount Timp and so you had to run it in your Tevas or the tales that I hear from my friends about coming off of a big day in the mountains, starving, and there's some trail angel with a slice of pizza right there for them. Um, We want to hear about those days when you may or may not have gotten lost on your side-by-side, or you met the most epic 85-year-old on the top of Mount Nebo who has been up there literally every summer for the past 50 years. True stories, all of them. Um, Tell us your stories. We want to hear them. Um, we're taking rolling submissions. Like I said, you do not have to be a citizen of Utah. If you've been here, if you've loved it here, tell us about your experience. Um, again, just email me those stories and we'll work out a time to get you recorded and you're going to tell your story over the podcast. It's going to be fun. Okay. To conclude, I figured to introduce myself a little bit more, I might as well tell you my first campfire story. Um, and I'm really excited about it. It was, it's what well, it is. It's ski season. It's November and I've been out a few times. And so I figured I would get us a little bit more stoked for the ski season um, with one of my favorite ski days that happened last April with one of my good friends, Josh Palmer. So here's my campfire story. All right. My campfire story is called playing Marco Polo on Mount Superior. Getting texts before 5.30 a.m. can mean one of two things. One, my friend Natalie is awake, prepping her body and soul for a day educating the youth on the effects of plate tectonics and ancient Roman civilizations. She's a middle school geography teacher, so inspiration hits her early, and she sends me the occasional, dude, please buy a mountain bike, or we should go to Norway, or my parents just ripped out their grass and put in zero scaping. I usually don't respond until at least 9 a.m. Two, second option, is I'm about to have a memorable day in the mountains. Although the next day's text from my friend Natalie did contain admonition for me to purchase a mountain bike, the text on Saturday, April 17th, 2021 at 5.10 a.m. was from a good friend of mine, Josh Palmer. His text was in regards to option number two. We were going to have a memorable day in the mountains. Hello, everyone up? Josh. Yes, me. Hashtag proud, Josh. Texts from other friends came in who decided to bail last minute with excuses like not getting more than two hours of sleep the night before or someone had just asked them out on a date that very morning. Luckily, Josh and his three to four hours of sleep and the lack of significant others in my life granted us the perfect scenarios for an outing. We started up the skin track around 6.30 a.m. with freezing cold hands and the view of Mount Superior looming above us. I realized just 10 minutes into our skin that I had forgotten my bag of chocolate-covered almonds in the car. A crucial mistake. We came across a few other parties making their way up in the early morning and leapfrogged with one split border with a long brown ponytail and silver earring. His name was Marco, and we would learn more about him as the morning progressed. The transition from extremely steep skin track to, wow, who put the stair stepper in boot pack, took place in a shady notch, and Josh made his crucial mistake of the morning forgetting the chamomile lavender tea. The boot pack up the ridge was one of the most scenic and epic tightrope walks I've probably ever done, with views of Snowbird, Alta, Mildy, and the city in full 360-degree views. Some of the exposure and rock navigation in ski boots had my heart beating more than the 400-meter repeats my high school cross-country coach had us doing around Sugar House Park. There was one section where the ridge turned more into a ladder than a ridge line, and we had to dig our hands into the snow to scale the 60 to 70 degree slope, and all this before 8 a.m. Fun! As we reached the top and saw the conga line of skiers cresting the ridge, making us feel like we were one of the crowds summoning Mount Everest, or riding Thunder Mountain, I felt rather intimidated. Josh pointed out that the main south-facing slope was considerably tracked out, and he'd prefer to ski something else. 
This is when our split boarding friend Marco came back into the story. He had summited a few minutes before we had, so Josh started asking Marco about his line down the Monte Cristo gully. Me, concerned at words like cliff navigation and rock bands being thrown around Marco and Josh, and intimidated that every other person up there seemed to be lapping the mountain, I slowly transitioned into ski mode, aware of being surrounded by only men. Marco, whom we learned was a night auditor at the Peruvian Lodge, was from the south and spends every winter living in the town of Alta. He agreed to chaperone us down the gully and reassured me that there would be no cliffs to jump off of. With some confidence but extreme trepidation, I followed Mark, then Josh, off the summit and down into the gully. The snow was soft, the views were epic, and although my lack of confidence was still bubbling around inside, getting the skis on and remembering that I still knew how to make turns made me at least a little more amped than anxious about the rest of our run. Marco was patient with both Josh and I, as Josh's ski randomly came out of ski mode towards the top of the main gully, and then later on when I could not get my toe into the pins to save the life of me. After playing Marco Polo, following our tour guide down the gully and waiting for his shout to go ahead, we skied some insane turns down a wide chute, towering cliffs on either side and a view of the canyon below. After the gully, we made a sharp traverse to the left to avoid the cliffs where ropes and harnesses were necessary. Thank you, Marco, for not sending us over rocks. The skiing got a little choppy at this point, with new snow covering old wet slides, making the avalanche remnants look like beheaded snowmen in a battlefield. Little did we know we were the next to fall victims to the elements of the mountain. With temps getting into the high 70s the past few weeks, the canyon streams have begun receiving runoff from the melting snow. Our goalie and its accompanying stream were no exception to the laws of Mother Nature. After narrowly avoiding scraping our skis between a rock and a hard place, the snow sliding became impossible due to the fact that our snow had turned into a waterfall. Marco and Josh easily maneuvered down the V3 watery boulder problem, while I once again questioned my ability to be navigating this kind of terrain in ski boots. After javeling my poles and gently handing down the savory sevens to Josh, I followed his down climbing in ski boots beta, complete with a bomber hand jam and then an optional jump into the snow instead of stemming down the last few feet. We kept the skis off because who wants to actually ski down the mountain for a good while and through more rocky sections before Marco made the bold move to strap his board on to ski through or rather on some scrub oak. One last dismount of the skis and a rappel off a tree branch led us to the moment where I took five minutes to get my ski on and some very awkward skiing through crust where I was glad no one could see my form and we were thankfully back to the road. We bid farewell to Marco who said he was headed to Snowbird for the afternoon, thanked him for the adventure down the mountain and leaving us with more memories than we had anticipated. After our non-teary goodbyes, Josh immediately stuck out his thumb, optimistic about us getting a ride back to the town of Alta. After waiting for five minutes with no success and a lot of empty cars passing us, we saw the bus pulling into Snowbird. Josh, in full ski boots, helmet, goggles, skis, and poles in hand, set off in a full sprint towards the bus. After laughing out loud, slipping on some snow, and eating it once again, I took off after him just to see the bus pulling away. Josh then began motioning at another boarder running at the bus to hold it for us. I felt like we were racing to catch the last helicopter out of Vietnam. The next bus would be there in exactly 15 minutes and no one was on a deadline, but sprint and yell we did. The snowboarder, who ended up being Marco, he just couldn't get rid of us. Josh and I all made it aboard the public transport and we laughed at the day's debacle where other passengers looked at us with some element of annoyance. We ended up getting off the bus just one stop before we should have, ending our multi-sport day with a walk along SR210. 
Josh's car alarm let everyone, including the Alta police, know that we had made it back safely. Once the blaring had stopped and we had inhaled enough carbon monoxide to last a lifetime and finding a much-needed restroom, we drove down the canyon, bluebird skies above us, and a crowded trailhead around every corner. Chocolate-covered almonds were our reward for another memorable day in the mountains, although Josh still did not have any lavender tea with him. So, after all was said and done, I think I learned two lessons from the day out. One, always respond to those 5.30 a.m. texts, and two, playing Marco Polo is not restricted to pools. Thanks to Joss for not bailing and making friends with modern-day explorers on the tops of mountains and for waking up at 5 a.m. And thanks to Marco for letting us slow you down and for keeping us from falling over a cliff. I hope things are off to a great winter season for you. So, that is my campfire story. And the best part about this story, I think, is just the fact that we made a friend up on the mountains. And I think... um, one of my favorite aspects of outdoor recreation is the people that you meet and the stories that you hear from people. Marco is just one of the many people that I've met out recreating in our great state. And so I hope to hear your stories of people you've met and things you've done and places you've seen and memories you've made. So again, submit your stories. We'd love to hear them. And yeah, that's a wrap for the first Recreation Elevated podcast. Thanks for listening. And it's like the best dentist, best dentist. you would recommend. Jeffrey Hill. Okay. <laughs> Cannot go wrong with Jeffrey Hill. Okay, good. So now you're just eating candy and having a good time. All right. <laughs>